This is Young Lawyer Rising from the ABA Young Lawyers Division and Legal Talk Network. Welcome back today, listeners. I'm your host, Montana Funk. And today, Ro Thomas joins us. Ro Thomas is a lawyer turned financial coach who seeks to help lawyers master their money in order to create more joy and freedom in their life. She also is the host of her own podcast, Wealthy-esque, where she helps lawyers develop strategies to improve their mindset regarding money, as well as strategies to help manage their money. From debt to budgeting, finances can be daunting, but Roe offers great insight in this episode, which helps create a more positive mindset around the topic. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. This is Young Lawyer Rising from the ABA Young Lawyers Division and Legal Talk Network. Welcome back, listeners. This is your host, Montana Funk. Today, we're joined by Ro Thomas. Ro, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. I'm super excited for this episode because I think it's a topic that a lot of our listeners will relate to because this is something that almost everyone deals with and it's finances. And before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, I kind of want to know, because I'm really intrigued how you went from law to being, you know, a financial coach, because that's kind of, to me at least, very opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. Well, it starts with my personal journey with my own finances So my husband and I were doing what I thought was well with our finances Mm -hmm. in that we weren't going into credit card debt or, you know, spending more than we had. Our account Mm -hmm. wasn't going negative, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we weren't really looking at our finances from a holistic perspective. So although we were doing the right things from day to day, we were completely ignoring our debt, our student loans, like all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until we had our first child back in 2016, I was still practicing law at that time. And the firm that I was working at offered a policy where you could do a percentage of the billable hours for a percentage of your salary. And I'm like, oh, that seems good. Like, I want to do that. (laughs) But when we looked at our finances, we realized that we had over $670,000 of student loan debt and mortgage. And we had a negative $342,000 net worth. And so we weren't in a position at that time to take a pay cut. So that kind of prompted us to start looking into personal finance more. Like what is the additional, like what is the additional information? What are the additional things that we have not been doing that we Mm -hmm. could put into practice? And then that's kind of how you, I'm assuming, transferred over? Yeah. So from there, I started a blog in 2018, sharing what was happening with Mm -hmm. our finances, what we were learning, you know, all that. That was about a year into our journeys. We had our child at the end of 2016. And I was, you know, looking into the personal finance stuff at the beginning of 2017, because that's when I was headed back to work. And then 2018, I started this blog. And then from there, it's just kind of Evolved, So it started more as a hobby. I'm sharing what I'm learning just randomly on this blog. I'm helping friends, family, colleagues at work on like a one-off basis. I'd help someone put together a budget or help someone put together their debt plan. And then 2020, I think, was a turning point for a lot of us. But it was like realizing how quickly things could change. Mm -hmm. Like I was just telling someone recently that there are so many people that the last thing I said to them was, have a good weekend, see you Monday, and I haven't seen him in three years, right? Like everything kind of changed overnight. And Mm -hmm. so this idea of helping lawyers with their finances have been kind of nagging at me, but I didn't 
make moves to actually do anything about it mm-hmm. until all the events of 2020. And that's when I was like, okay, let me actually move this forward. And so I started telling people outside of people that I actually knew that I could help them. I transitioned that blog to a podcast and I've been doing it ever since. And at first I was doing it on the side of my practice. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of 2021, I moved into coaching full time and left the practice of law. Okay. So I mean, that's really interesting to me because obviously finances, at least to me, and maybe some of our listeners are like, like you and, you know, really passionate about it. But to me, it's terrifying. Like thinking about making a budget. My dad, every time I talk to him, he's like, Montana, did you work on your budget? Like you need to make a budget. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working on it. But it, it's so, it almost is like, I put it off kind of like you were saying in the beginning too, because I don't want to like, look at it. I don't want to actually have to sit down. It seems exhausting to have to sit down and like deal with your finances. So why do you think that the topic in general of, you know, financial planning or budgeting, why do you think it's so daunting to people? I think for exactly the reasons that you just mentioned, that we think about it in that way. Mm -hmm. We think about it as being daunting. We think about it being tedious. Often, I think people associate having a budget with deprivation and being restricted and like that kind of thing. And nobody wants that, right? And so The work that I do is helping lawyers change the way that they think about their money and the way they think about personal finance at large, because when you change the way that you think about it, you change your mindset around it, Mm -hmm. then you're going to approach it a lot differently. So like your budget, for example, is not a restrictive thing or something that you can't, you know, I can't have this, I can't do that. Your budget is just your plan for how you want to use your money. And so you get to decide what goes in that plan. And yes, some of it is going to be things that you need, Mm -hmm. but you can also include things that you want in there. You can include your goals in there. And that is going to allow you to move forward with your finances versus if you don't have a plan and you're just spending and then you look up like, oh man, where'd all my money go? Amazon. Amazon takes it all. (laughs) Amazon and restaurants. Those are the two that come up the most often. No, I I think that that's that's a good point, right? That your budget doesn't need to be this negative thing. It doesn't need to be this thing where it's like, now I get to see all these things I have to spend on and how little money I shouldn't actually be putting towards Amazon or restaurants. But what do you tell people in terms of kind of changing that mindset so that they get from that, this is daunting to, oh, it's actually something that's going to help me. Is there a certain like tip that you tell everyone or one certain thing that you can say, this is how I helped change my mindset? So I don't have a specific tip, like do this thing Mm -hmm. and then your mindset has changed. (laughs) But when you start looking at, okay, this is how I want to use my money, Mm -hmm. right? Like we'll take Amazon, for example, because that's one that has come up a couple of times now. So I want to spend this much on Amazon, right? I want to have this pot of money to spend on Amazon. You will find when you actually allocate that money, you tell yourself, Montana, this is how much I'm spending on Amazon this month, that that little thought in the back of your head, like, oh, I shouldn't be spending this. Oh, I wish I, you know, like those, those types of things that come up, those disappear because it's like, no, I have decided this is how much I'm spending. So there's no more, I shouldn't be spending this because I've already decided that I'm spending this. Yeah. Right. So when you start looking at the money in that way, you start making those intentional choices about, where you're going to spend your money, how you're going to spend your money, how much you're going to spend, Mm -hmm. then you start to change your mindset because you're seeing that, oh, this budget thing really isn't bad. Like, actually, I have the freedom to do these things that I want to do. 
And I'm making progress on these goals that I've been telling myself I wanted to do for so long, but just haven't done. Because when we don't set that intention, when we don't pay attention to a particular area, then it goes without progress, right? Like Mm -hmm. what we pay attention to, we actually move forward. When we're not paying attention, we're going to stay stagnant. Do you find that if people restrict themselves or let's say someone's making a budget and they say to themselves, I don't think I have enough because of debt or whatever it may be to actually have that money saved aside for Amazon. So I'm not even going to factor it in. Knowing that they're still probably going to go spend money on Amazon. Do you find that limiting themselves or at least in their mind limiting themselves actually impacts them negatively? Yes. Okay. And I tell my clients all the time that when we decide that we're going to be responsible or you know, more intentional or whatever with your finances, we're not going to go and straight cut out all the stuff that you love Mm -hmm. because that does not work. What happens is you over-restrict, right? You cut out all of these things and then you wild out and like go crazy because it's like, I'm tired of doing this. And you're like, yeah, let me go spend on Amazon. (laughs) I'm getting this, I'm getting this, right? That doesn't work. And so what you want to do is give yourself some level of money that you're going to spend on those things that you want, even if maybe it's not as much as you have been Mm -hmm. spending. So like one of the first things that I do with my clients is we do a look back of everything that you've spent at least within the last month. But I love if we could do up to three months. In full transparency, most of them do not do the full three months, (laughs) which is fine. But at least one month gives us some data to work with. And you can see okay, this is how much I've been spending in this area. Mm -hmm. Do I like this? Are there things that I can change that would free up some of that money to be able to pay off debt or to be able to save more or whatever the goals are? Because you can do both. It might not be at the same level, Mm -hmm. right? If you're spending $500 a month on Amazon or something like that, and you have these other goals that you have that that the $500 doesn't fit into, Like you might decide that you're going to spend a little less, but I don't recommend completely cutting it out. Yeah, because then you're going to be like, like you said, you go on Amazon, you're like, I'm just going to look. I'm not going to buy anything. I'm just going to look. Exactly. And And next thing you know, you got like 20 boxes coming to your house. (laughs) You're like, I'm organizing my whole kitchen. I don't need to. But like, I got straws. I got metal straws. No, that that's I mean, I can relate to that. And I think that that's something important, too, is that people don't fully restrict themselves so that you don't have these areas where then you're like, I can't do this anymore. And I mean, obviously I think debt's probably, this is me projecting, so correct me if I'm wrong, but probably one of the biggest things lawyers face. But are there any other categories of finances that you find that lawyers specifically, you know, have to devote a lot of their money to outside of like debt, for example? No, it's typically debt. And maybe you could say like professional development things, But for a lot of people, especially the ones who are working in private practice, those things end up getting reimbursed through their firms. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly like the student loans. Um, I will say things that they are devoting money to that aren't necessarily required. It tends to be the Amazon and the restaurants like we talked about. And then sometimes it's living expenses like housing, rent, mortgage, things like that, where Sometimes people are like, no, I want to be in this specific setting. Like I want to be in the you know, high rise downtown. And so it's like, OK, if you were going to spend this amount of money on this, then where are we going to offset it somewhere else? That makes total sense. And I do think it's really important to talk about debt because I think debt is something that a majority of people have. And that is probably one of the most daunting things when it comes to finances. So I want to take a quick break. But when we come back, let's jump into debt. 
frustrating to wade through the malpractice insurance application process, but you know you need to protect your firm. Alps designed their application to be flexible, easy, and 100% online. Fill it out, review your quote, accept, and pay in as little as 10 minutes. Alps is the nation's largest direct writer of lawyers' malpractice insurance, and they are endorsed by more bar associations than any other carrier, so they understand law firms. They also know how valuable your time is, and that's why they make legal malpractice insurance easy. Visit alpsinsurance.com to learn more. That's A-L-P-S insurance.com. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about debt, and obviously that is something that I think a majority of our listeners probably are dealing with. And I think, like you stated, you know, personal experience kind of got you into this. So I think there's a negative stigma surrounding debt because obviously it's a lot and it's something that follows people. So is there a way for you, at least, that you've found to switch the mindset from that negativity surrounding it to kind of like you said, with the budgeting, it doesn't have to be like this restricting thing. Is there something that you say to people to switch that mindset in terms of debt, if that makes sense? No, that absolutely makes sense. And the thing that I teach my clients is debt is not negative or positive, right? It's not good or bad. I don't believe in that good debt, bad debt dichotomy, this whole like, oh, well, if it's you know, student loans or a mortgage, then that's good. But if it's credit card debt and it's, you know, whatever else, that's bad. I don't believe in that because it just is, mm-hmm. right? And you can make arguments on both sides. So I was telling someone recently, or maybe I did a presentation, I was talking about the fact that there are people who end up in hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt and aren't able to get a job that allows them to pay that amount of money. So is that still good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or there are people who will purchase, you know, a course or a coaching program or something on a credit card, and then it turns around and allows them to excel in their their profession. Mm-hmm. Is that bad, right? Like we can look at it both ways. So there is no objective good or bad in terms of debt. And I think when we can let go of this mindset that debt is bad, which is so pervasive in our society, then it allows us to approach our debt differently. Another thing, and this goes back to what we were talking about with switching your mindset with the budget, where mm-hmm. we're like, it's restrictive or, you know, it's all about deprivation. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't have to be that, right? And so the same thing with your debt. If we're looking at your student loan debt or your credit card debt or however much you have, like whatever debt you have, however much you have, and you're looking at it as this bad thing that's so daunting and it's holding me back, it's going to be a lot harder for you to actually look at that, for you to make a plan for it, for you to pay it off. Then if you're looking at like, okay, I have this debt, 
I am grateful for the amount that I have. I'm grateful that I was able to use this money to finish law school or to purchase a car or to purchase a house, you know, whatever the Mm -hmm. debt allowed you to finance. And from that place of recognizing the good aspects of my debt, I decide I don't want to have this debt anymore. I'm going to make a plan to pay it off. That's going to be a completely different experience, right? And so I think letting go of the overarching belief that debt is just bad and it must be gone immediately and I have to get rid of it and I'm stupid if I'm paying debt and paying interest and, you know, all of that just feels really bad. And I think it makes it hard for people to approach their finances because there's all of this shame around it Mm -hmm. because of that mindset around debt. Absolutely. It's easier to ignore it for a little bit, right? And pretend it's not there. Same with like the budgeting thing, right? Like I'm just going to keep spending because I don't want to actually face it rather than just try to change your mindset to be like, like you said, I'm grateful that I got through law school. I'm grateful that I have this car and then make it less daunting so that you can face it head on. That's a really good perspective that I think probably a lot of people haven't tried to have. So I think that that's great. And is, I mean, is there anything that you think that people can do to steps they can take early on, whether that be in law school or when they're starting out their careers to make the impact that their finances have on them lesser? Like, is there anything that you suggest people do early on to kind of prevent that? I guess I I don't know the right wording for this, but the overflow of emotion that you get from those finances later on down your career. Yeah. Well, I would say on like a strategic side, it's having a budget in law school, right? A lot of people take out student loan debt and they're not planning how they're going to use that money. And so sometimes we end up taking out more than we actually need. If we had a budget and we knew this is how much I'm going to spend in this semester or whatever it is, then you can make sure that you're only taking out the amount that you need and you're not ending up with more than you needed to. Yeah. So there's that piece. But then it's just thinking about the finances differently, right? So one of the things that I talk about is like, I think that having control of your finances allows you to have control of your time. If we are spending all of the money and we don't have intention behind it and we don't know where the money is going, it's like, I'm I'm making this money. I'm spending my time to make money and then I'm spending that money out. It's basically like I'm spending my time, right? Yeah. There is a book called Your Money or Your Life. And in that book, the author talks about breaking down your purchases in terms of how long it takes you to make that amount of money. So let's say that when you break down your salary, it costs you or you end up making $50 an hour, right? Mm -hmm. And then you want to buy something that's $5,000. Well, that is not $5,000. That's 100 hours of your life. Is it still worth that for you? Right. So thinking about the time Mm -hmm. that it takes you to make the money thinking about how to use that money more effectively and it allows you to open up more time, more flexibility for yourself. Because when you control your money and you are more intentional with where it's going, with how it's moving you forward, then you're able to have that flexibility. Maybe you don't need to make as much, those types of things. Absolutely. And on the other token of things, what do you tell people who have unfortunately 
I don't want to say me, but I didn't do a budget in law school who are, you know, past that point. And now they're looking at their finances and they're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't want to spend my weekend doing a budget because I'm stressed and this is the only time I have a loan. So I'm not even going to look at that. So the people who are past that point and now kind of need to pull themselves back and get back to where they maybe should have been in law school. What do you say to them? Well, I will say first, let's look at the way that you're thinking about the budget, because if you think it's going to take all weekend, then of course you're not going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. Budget does not take that long, right? It might take you some time to look back at, say, your month's expenses, the last month or so of expenses to figure out where you are, like where this money is going currently. Mm -hmm. Then you can create a budget from those numbers, knowing where you are now. Let's create a realistic budget that allows you to achieve the things that you want to achieve that still allows you to spend on things that you want. And then you also are covering your needs. But when you have that budget, like that upfront work created, it takes you like 10 or 15 minutes each week to look back at what you spent in that week against what you were planning to spend for the month. Right. So it doesn't take as much time as many people think it does. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I definitely am someone who's like, I got to put aside a whole afternoon <laughs> to do all this, especially with tax season coming now too, right? I mean, people are definitely probably listening to this being like, I have to do my taxes, first of all, let alone trying to budget, but it's important. And maybe that's something that if you're doing your taxes, maybe you sit down and also do a quick budget or something like that. Yeah. Get yourself yeah, And I would yeah. say, again, look back at last month's expenses and let's put them into different categories. How much did I spend on Amazon? How much did I spend on groceries? How much did I spend eating out? Whatever those categories are for you, let's get a really good snapshot of where your money is currently going. And then from there, you can create a budget for where you want that money to go instead. And it's not going to take you nearly as long as you think it does. I will say that upfront, like the snapshot and creating the initial budget, mm -hmm. it's gonna take a little bit longer than the 10 or 15 minutes. But when you're going forward, it's not going to take you long at all to look back at a week's worth of expenses versus a whole month, mm -hmm. right? And then categorize that week's worth of expenses into the different categories and see where you are in terms of where you were planning to be for that month. And then you also had said something interesting when we first started talking that I want to go back to, and it's, you know, COVID hit and COVID hit kind of overnight. And I think, I mean, we can all see that a lot of things have changed with COVID, right? Like the pricing of things, there's a lot of stuff going up now, whether that be from COVID or just in general inflation. But how do you think COVID impacted people's finances? Was there even a difference at all? And if so, how to tackle that? Because a lot of people probably are still trying to find their way from COVID. It still kind of feels like a dream. All those years that just flew by, but also we were in our houses. So it was also not flying by. So yes. what were the changes that you noticed from COVID and how to counteract those? So I think there were changes on both sides during the height of everything in 2020. I saw some people get pay cuts or, you know, those types of things like those impacts to their income. But then I also saw people who were saving a lot of money because they were in their houses. They weren't moving around as much. And so they were able to, if they were intentional about mm -hmm. it, they were able to use the additional money that they were no longer spending to get ahead on some of their goals, like paying off debt, like saving and things like that. I don't know that I've seen long-term effects of that in people's day-to-day -day spending. Like you mentioned that some things are more expensive because of inflation and things like that. I know that there's also 
Like I think the car industry was hit pretty hard in COVID where cars are still more expensive than they were before because of like production that was halted and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But in terms of like just day-to-day spending, I'm not still seeing long-term effects of COVID with the caveat that I have not done any sort of study or research on it. This is just my anecdotal, you know, evidence of what I've seen with people. Absolutely. And I guess for me, something that if I were to go to a coach like you, right, and sit down with you and know that I want to manage my finances better and be more responsible with it, to be quite frank with you, I don't even know what I would say to start, like where I would start. So I think it's important before wrapping up this conversation that we tell our listeners and you give insight to where can they start? Where's a good starting point for someone like me? Who's like, I know this is important. I want to get this done. I've started some budgeting. I've started some, you know, saving. I, I, it's not like I completely have avoided it, but I need to know more and I need to dive in more. Well, First, I will say, if you work with a coach, the coach will guide you in that way. So you don't have to think that you have to bring everything all buttoned up in a bow (laughs) to the coach. But if you are doing it on your own, I say the first place to start is figure out where you're spending. So doing that look back that we talked about so that you can see how much you're spending in all the different categories and you can decide whether you like that or not and make adjustments from there. Because I say all the time that your budget is the foundation of your entire money plan. If you have a good budget and you learn how to stick to it and you learn how to honor the things that you said you're going to do, you'll be able to achieve any financial goal that you want to achieve. That'd be nice. <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that would be really nice. No, absolutely. I think those are really helpful points for everyone. And is there anything that you say to all of your clients or anything that you can tell our listeners, like one piece of advice that you can give them that you just think would help? I mean, not to use your your metaphor, but tie it all in a bow and present it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the key thing to remember is that your self-worth as a person is completely separate from whatever is happening with your finances. I think too often we conflate them and it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm a failure or I'm whatever because I have this debt or I don't have enough in savings or I don't make as much as I want to or all of these different things. And it's like, you are infinitely worthy as a person and you might want to do X, Y, or Z with your finances, but they are separate. The Mm -hmm. fact that you have whatever amount of debt, the fact that you have whatever amount of savings means nothing about you as a person. And I think if we can keep those things separate and be able to look at our finances objectively and not as some sort of reflection on who we are as people, then we'd be able to make a lot more progress with our money as well. Yeah. The debt doesn't define you in a way, right? Exactly. No, I really like that. And that's probably something that would help with the daunting aspect of it too. If you're able to separate, you know, that this doesn't define me. If I spent a hundred bucks on Amazon and things I don't need, that doesn't make me a bad person or dumb or irresponsible, right? It's just managing Exactly. It's just data, Mm -hmm. right? So I can see I spent a hundred dollars at Amazon. Do I like that? Yeah. Yes, I do. I'm going to continue to spend a hundred bucks or no, I don't. I would rather spend 50 or whatever it is. But just looking at it as data and you can evaluate that data separate and apart from I'm stupid, I'm this, I'm that because of what happened with my finances. Mm -hmm. No, that's a really great way to look at it. And I think that that's really important. I think a lot of our our listeners will resonate with that. And hopefully, hopefully some of them can take away that it's not a daunting topic as much as it seems. And it's finances shouldn't be something that we're scared of and it shouldn't be something that we avoid. Agreed. Look, finances are fun. 
And I know that sounds like cheesy, but seriously, it is like when you get into doing this work and you're looking at where your money is going, and especially when you start intentionally directing it to, you know, I'm going to save or I'm going to pay off debt and you start seeing that savings balance rise or that debt balance go down or whatever. It's fun. Yeah. I promise you. I know it doesn't seem that way, but it really is. No, I I get what you're saying. It's always like, it's a cool feeling to see, wow, I actually saved this much this month or yes. I got towards a goal that I didn't think I could. So I absolutely, I get that. Even if I might not be at the finances is fun part yet, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely at the, I know how it feels to see those things go down. And that is such a rewarding feeling. So hopefully our listeners can get some of that too. And I, I want to make sure before we wrap this up that you tell our listeners obviously where they can find you. I know you have a podcast and you write a lot of articles and I think it's important for them to know where else they can find you because your advice is super helpful. Well, thank you. Yes. The best place to find me is my website. It's rowthomas.com and row is R-H-O. And then you can follow me on LinkedIn, Row Thomas. And then my podcast, it, there's a link on my website to get to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe next time we talk, I'll be like, finances are the most fun I've ever had. And we will get there. I'm going to turn you around, Montana. I'm going to change your mind. You are. No, I'm excited about it. I know it's an important topic and it's definitely important for me. So this is something that, I mean, I can't explain to you how grateful I am that you joined and gave this advice because it even helped me even in this short amount of talking. So thank you so much for joining today. You are quite welcome. Thank you again for having me. Of course. Well, listeners, that's our show. I want to thank Ro for joining us today. And as always, thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please recommend our show to a friend. You know where to find us. Until next time, I'm Montana Funk, and you've been listening to Young Lawyer Rising, brought to you by the ABA Young Lawyers Division and the audio professionals at Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.